Today on the show, we take a deep dive into the IMC with the executive producer of the program. He's the general manager of Native Communications Incorporated, member of the Winnipeg Indigenous Writers Collective, sits on the board at Manitoba Audio Recording Industry Association, which is the greatest acronym ever, MARIA. Uh, in 2002, won an Indigenous Music Award for his contributions in promoting Indigenous music. I am, of course, referencing poet, writer, and one of Canada's most passionate vinyl fanatics, MC Loud, a.k.a. David McLeod, and he joins me on the line from Winnipeg. David, how are you? Uh, I'm really good. Thanks, thanks for having me on. I, uh, yeah, it's always, it's always weird when you're introduced like that. And Thanks for mentioning the vinyl. That's, uh, that's pretty important. Absolutely. I have some vinyl-related questions later, but I do have to reference, of course, the great duo, Dominos and MC Loud. When is the new album coming out? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, uh, I don't know if I had to, if I put it on an album, what would it sound like? I have no idea. Yeah. So no, I, I, I don't have an album coming out. <laughs> so, um, uh, maybe, maybe we could, maybe we can put one together though. Hey, after the show, we'll just, yeah. I'd like to lock down the drums on that one. I got the, I got the ukulele. Oh, perfect. Ukulele <laughs> drum album. That's, that's pretty far out. Um, so yeah, the Indigenous Music Countdown, hosted by Roz uh, McIver, spotlights today's best new Indigenous music and shares interviews from artists who range from several genres, including hip-hop, rock, country, alternative, folk, and pop, and dance. And um, yeah, you know, one of my favorite programs that we air, and I'd love to learn about uh, your mm-hmm. connection with the program and just how it all came to be. Well, you know, it, um, we're looking about, oh my gosh, uh, it's quite a while ago. It's like 20 years ago. And, and what happened at that point was there really wasn't a countdown happening in, in Canada. And, um, our music scene was just, was just on the verge of happening. Um, of course it's exploding today, but at that time, uh, there was no real source for indigenous music for one place to listen to what was new. And that was kind of what, what was at the heart of it. And a lot of it at that time was like a, a country genre. I would say about 70% of it was, uh, was country uh, roots, uh, roots-based. And then through the years, of course, that it's flip-flop now. I, I think about 30 20% of what we get is country. So there's been a real change. Um, the, also at the heart of the show was... Um, Creating our own place, a place where Indigenous voices, Indigenous music could 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 come together and be heard, and uh, yeah, so I've I've really seen an incredible growth over the last twenty years that I would that uh, I think most people have no idea how how much things have changed. Um, technology has been a big part of that. People being able to uh, go online, have different listening experiences. The other thing that's happened is is uh, the internet, of course. People going online, learning how to play various instruments, uh, watching YouTube videos and how to play guitar. I've, I've met so many musicians who've learned how to play keyboards um, and guitar and also vocal lessons online. So that has uh, has made a big part. And then the also collaborations. People communicate a lot uh, easier, are able to share sounds and beats. So that's... Uh, that's been that's been really phenomenal. Plus the um, the cost of recording uh, it w- used to be a real uh, you know it, it used to not the doors weren't open for a lot of indigenous musicians. So I think uh, yeah, just in that short period, a lot of growth has happened. But at the heart of it, um, in the nineties, was uh, you know we started out with a top twenty actually, and we had difficulty finding songs. Like we were constantly. Um, you know, you're looking wherever you can. Um, it was like uh, uh, 
indigenous uh, magazines, uh, newspapers. Uh, I used to look in, um, like, um, just to find artists in there. I found one artist in an American newspaper once and was able to, to track them down. So that was, that was then, and it's a lot easier now. Today, we get probably one to three songs a week, which, which is phenomenal. And, um, and the quality, of course, is great. And if and there's some artists that are working working towards getting on the radio as well. There's that's there, there's movement happening that way too. So, I, I hope I answered your question there somewhere. You yeah. nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, yeah, so many like you nailed it with uh, just kind of how recording techniques have changed over the years. Someone can record a masterpiece in their bedroom. Yeah, no, you get an artist like Wolf Sega, incredible sounds, and he does a lot of that at home. Like he'll bring in guest musicians uh, to to fill in parts. But I mean, that's you know, he's got like an '80s uh, meets today's kind of keyboard based sound that's uh, you know that will fill any dance floor. Uh, so yeah, artists like that are proving it can be done, and it's knowing how to use the tools too. I mean, I've heard people go in the studio and, and then home recording better and then i've heard the opposite where a studio uh really outweighs uh, a home recording so uh, you can't really you can't really say one's better than the other it just depends on how the person is using those recording tools and, and that's what it comes down to because sometimes people can have the simplest uh setup and and do really well i mean you know like bruce bruce springsteen one of his albums he recorded on a on a four track cassette right because was that nebraska yeah, Nebraska. Oh. So if you if you have the right microphones, the right placement, the right you know, if you record it properly, things magic can can happen. Shout outs to Bruce Springsteen if he's if he's <laughs> listening right now. I'm pretty sure yeah. he is. Well, and that, and that's just a reference. I mean, but people have you know, um, yeah, and and you can get all kinds. I've been to different studios and seeing people's gear so it's a it's it's an art form onto itself but it all started with our trailblazers because um our trailblazers gave the inspiration to people to record i was just in montreal for the um indigenous music summit and one of the keynote speakers was uh, buffy saint marie and she had um uh a room full of people and talked about her early career and, and then she also talked with uh um, a couple hundred uh, indigenous uh, industry people, including many musicians, about the recording industry. So, um, giving advice and a lot of those early day lessons she had still definitely apply today. You know, the music business is the word business is all in caps, right? When and when you say music business, business is is what it is. For sure. But yeah. Now, you mentioned Trailblazers, Trailblazing Artists. Um, an album that came out uh, a few years ago really blew the minds of a lot of folks uh, around the country, around the world, really, uh, in, in introducing people to incredible uh, Indigenous musicians from across Turtle Island um, who were recording in the 60s into the 80s, and that is the Native North America Volume 1 album, which turned people on to the likes of Willie Thrasher, Willie Dunn, Eric Landry, created a lot of awareness. How important was an album like that uh, for uh, uh, an indigenous music uh, fanatic like yourself. Well, um, props to uh, Kevin House for putting that together. He produced that, and, and uh, it was also nominated for a Grammy. Uh, and it, it was really important because it, it showcased a lot of the a lot of the trailblazers, as you said, and, and it awakened uh, mainstream to what 
what is out there. Uh, there's also some previous work done by uh, Brian Wright McLeod. He put out the Encyclopedia of Native Music and also uh, a compilation that went with it, a 3CD compilation. So they're both 3D, 3CD compilations. So, so previous work has been done similarly. And um, and then when, when Kevin's came out, uh, it was the packaging, it was put out on vinyl, and uh, I think people were ready for it. Um, there is a volume two being created uh, as well, and I know uh, um, I, yeah, I strongly recommend people people picking both of those up uh, if you if you want to learn and hear different types of indigenous music. Uh, and again, you look back then and northern recordings. Uh, people were talking about life on the land. They were singing in their languages. They were talking about political movements. They were fun songs. Uh, so you know you get like folk folk rock to to, uh, to to sounds that are you know it's very similar to Velvet Underground. So so all these influences are can be heard on there. Um, so it's it's interesting the the whole sound of indigenous music is is tied into the the history of our country. Um, you look at instruments like a fiddle. A fiddle made its way to trap lines. Um, following the, the how the uh, the the trap lines uh, throughout the country, so it was a smaller instrument. You can carry it. Uh, you can have it on a dog sled. So that's historically why that's there. Accordions made their way to the north. So um, you find keyboards uh, played in some early Inuit recordings. So the the instruments themselves. Um, um, making their ways to certain areas, guitars made their way uh, from pre- predominantly a lot of church music, gospel music, and then people were listening to the radio at the time and heard country music from the south on AM radios. So people were learning country uh, and and according from country and and the gospel that was going on in churches uh, had a huge influence on sounds as well. So the history of our country is tied in with with that music, and of course, long long before that was our uh, our traditional indigenous music, and uh, that that uh, uh, is is also come to, comes into play today, where where people are looking at uh, traditional sounds and mixing it in, and also language. Language is you know an artist like Jeremy Dutcher has become such a um, uh, foundation for some music going on now, and uh, uh, people are reclaiming. Uh, what was lost and putting it in their art. So, yeah, just uh, it's, there's 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 so much there, and I and I appreciate when uh, um, I see people uh, making efforts to to uh, to go back. Well, during my research, just going back and learning about more an indigenous artist in in this country, and coming across names like Edward Gamblin, uh, Ray Saint Germain, uh, Three Penny Opera. Uh, one artist really struck me, and, and just the album in particular, uh, the legendary Harry Rusk and the album Rose of Mexico. I was just curious, kind of your connection and just the story behind Harry Rusk. Uh, you're talking about the Alberta artist, Harry Rusk? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he's um, uh, a groundbreaking artist. He uh, um, He's a country music, of course. Uh, he did a lot of work in Nashville, uh, made... made one of the most appearances from, if not one of the Canadian artists, uh, certainly an indigenous artist, uh, long before uh, 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 a certain artist or other artists that were known. Um, yeah, Harry Harry had a great voice, was a guitar player, was a professional on stage, 
and uh, a gentleman all around. So he uh, he he's had a phenomenal career and put out several albums. I I was in Alberta and I found one of his albums, um, and it's like gold finding these albums because they're uh, uh, some of them are very difficult to uh, to find. But uh, yeah, much respect to him. He's he's still around as well. So yeah. And another artist who a little more modern. He has since unfortunately passed away. But um, a modern country folk legend in the likes of Chris Beach. Yeah, Chris Beach uh, is a Manitoba artist. Uh, um, Chris Beach sang uh, somewhat like novelty songs. Uh, like he did one of one of his hits was "My Soap Opera Woman," and and uh, uh, it's about a woman addicted to watching soap operas. And um, uh, she she drives him crazy. I'm just trying to remember the the lyrics in my head. And um, yeah, so then that's the other thing. When we have people from our community sharing stories, um, they 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 connect in a way that mainstream music doesn't. That's why we need our indigenous artists. And, and Chris was one of those artists where he was involved with community, and uh, and he and he knew how to make people laugh. At the same time, he went heartfelt so- songs like songs about family. And and a lot of a lot of artists do write about family. And um, that that uh, that deep connection that's there speaks to a lot of our audience. Now you mentioned the importance of of finding albums, seeking out these very rare albums uh, throughout the country. I'm curious. Uh, now this is a potentially controversial question for a lot of folks. <laughs> okay. Because you are such an intense vinyl record collector, your favorite record store in the country. Oh my gosh. You know, when I travel here and there, I was just in Montreal. Um, I didn't. I I did look up some. I've been there before, and uh, there's there's there's. I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Um, sometimes it could be just a little place, because sometimes there the people aren't going to those record stores as much. So it's not necessarily popularity. It's you're looking for a place that's kind of in kind of in the middle, has some stock changing, has some, uh, it's kind of dusty. Those are seem to be the kind of places you find, um, I find the vinyl I'm looking for. And it's also networking with other vinyl collectors as well. Um, that's very important is, um, like I had a guy, a uh, gentleman, sent me a text just uh, yesterday that he found a, a cassette of Tom Jackson. And it's a cassette I've never seen before. So I've known him from record stores. So he's like, oh, I just came across this. I'm not sure if you'd, you'd want it. And the other thing is, is, is sometimes the collecting is can become, um, you know, expensive. Like if you get, um, you get an autographed album from an artist, particularly who's passed, and, and it's an old album. I mean, somebody will say, I'll sell it to you 100 bucks, right? So, and then you'll go to other places and you'll find the exact album and it might be, it might be like 10 bucks or five bucks. So it's, 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 some people mention that, ask me about that sometimes. How much do you pay for a record? Well, it just, it really depends on, on, um, on the condition and, and, and how you get your hands on it. So it's, uh, Northern Haze, I had a guy, um, uh, you know, like your, uh, the Northern Haze album can cost you $150. And and because um, they're very they're they're really hard to find, so um, there's that part of the collecting as well. And then it's it's like, what's the condition like? What's the vinyl like? Um, yeah, so it's it's all those things. And 
uh, vinyl collectors. Uh, I can go on and on, but uh, it, it uh, might bore some of your listeners. <laughs> I can listen all day. I intend to nerd it up hard musically with you. Oh, <laughs> uh, there was one one collector. It was hilarious. He was telling me how people uh, they you know this is how bad it can get for some people. Some he he was. Uh, friend of mine here in the city he's like i saw a guy looking at vinyl and all of a sudden he was smelling the vinyl oh yeah <laughs> and he's smelling the vinyl to see if there's mold in it and um, the mold mold will have a subtle effect on the sound of the record apparently so so it could get that bad so if you see somebody smelling a record believe me they're they're probably hardcore now i know some people who will smell the vinyl but then they'll try to take a bite out of it as well and i'm like listen guys i know you like your music but that's taken a little too far yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but you mentioned, you know, you brought up uh, Northern Haze, who have a fantastic single out, which is on the IMC, and mm-hmm. bringing it back to the Indigenous Music Countdown, which is raising so much awareness for all these artists. Um, I'm curious about um, the NCI Jam, which used to take place, and just yeah, we, how, yeah, and how that maybe had an effect on the evolution of the IMC. Well, we did we did um, we did a live talent show, and we're looking at hopefully doing it again this year. We haven't done it in the last. Uh, I believe it's about probably been about five years, four, four or five years. Um, yeah, at the talent show, we we it, it, we spotlight about seventeen artists, and then we have about three guest singers, and we uh, and the three singers we have are usually um, from the countdown who are doing really well, really popular uh, number one artists. Like we had Derek Miller come in one year, which was uh, phenomenal. And um, we we put a show on the stage, and and uh, at its at its height, we had about two thousand people uh, show up for a talent show, which was which was unheard of. So um, and again, it was just people wanting a sense of community. So when when you had seventeen artists, so you had their family, their friends. Um, and then, and and of course that that some family like some people would sell hundreds of tickets because you know a lot of their community would want to see them on a major stage with with lighting brought in with a set with a professional band and 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 people are treated like stars as well so you know there there's a green room there's food there's uh you know places for people to stretch out so we really treat people well and I always, I always say, you know, I always say, happy band, happy show, um, and that's because you you want people going out to to, to offer their best. So, yeah, it, and 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 what it did was it gave people the confidence to say, hey, my music's great. Hey, I deserve to be on stage. I deserve to to uh, to pursue this. So we've had several artists um, that have gone on to record after that. Um, you know, Tracy Bone being one, uh, Desiree Dorian, who's 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 done some incredible. You know, her music's played as well across the country. So, so there's artists that are that connect to themselves and their music in a in a larger way. So, I think it's important to shine a light on on local talent because that's obviously where people go to. And and there's a thing in our community too. Like you start with community, and you might build an audience, and 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 you know you might be playing playing big big gigs uh, William Prince for example opening up for uh, you know uh, Neil Young and he's meeting you know Bruce Springsteen Chris Christopherson and and but yet it always comes back to community and and um, that's where you start and then as big as you get that's where you come back to when you're when you're not at that point so it's uh, yeah so that's kind of uh, the importance of the NCI jam uh, it's that experience and, and that uh, 
that little push forward to say, hey, you can do this. I love it. That's amazing. Uh, folks, keep your eyes out for the NCI Jam. Um, you, you've sent over a few jams, speaking of which, that we can maybe mm-hmm. dive into. Uh, what would you like to maybe fire off? Well, you know, last night was Ernest Munoz's birthday, and he was celebrated here uh, in Winnipeg. Um, and and he's been in the music industry for 50 years, over 50 years. He's, he's, he's from a community uh, called uh, Cross Lake, which is in northern Manitoba. And, um, you know, he's put on so much time. One of the highlights of his, of his career is uh, releasing hits like Stay a While. Um, if I Wanted You Girl, he performed that last night. People went crazy. Uh, Forever is a long time. Sitting on a rock. Uh, I've talked with him a few times about his music, and, and they just came to him. This is like we're talking like uh, mid-70s here, 77, 76. And he recorded this album. I believe it was 78. He put out his self-titled album. And he, uh, uh, yeah, so he, he sang in a way that nobody else does or has since. He's got a unique voice. And part of that uh, has to do with, like, you know, his first language is Cree. And when you have a Cree, when you speak Cree, uh, and, and that's your first language, you're going to have a Cree accent. So that transcends itself into how you sing uh, rhythmically, uh, your rhyming, it's always prominently there. So I think that had an effect where people heard that and identified with that. And he's singing songs, of course, uh, heartache songs, but from an indigenous perspective. So he's one of the trailblazers. He's toured across the country. He's 70 years old now. And, and something that I reflected on last night was he He's dedicated his life to this. It's not just being the the little bit of time that's spent on the stage. It doesn't reflect like you know getting to Yellowknife, the time it takes to travel there, bring in your instrument, and then and then coming back to Winnipeg and then playing somewhere else in maybe northern Ontario. So they're they're road warriors. They've been doing this a long time, and um, and and they opened up the door for other artists to say, you know, I can record, I can do this for a living. And they, they were doing it when people um, needed stars. Our community needs our own stars. Indigenous indigenous people want to see our own people on stage. They want to see our own people succeed. Uh, and, and um, you know, and particularly a lot of artists are focusing on youth right now. So it's it's getting better. We're still not there, like, with the countdown that's heard like on 13 stations across Canada and, and Sirius XM and of course Element FM um, it's building um, we still have a lot of building to do but thank goodness we're like we're collaborating and we're we're, we're touching base like we are right now but Ernest Mooney asked back to Ernest place was packed and uh, he's thinking about retiring because it's it's getting harder on him to uh, to to tour and do shows but uh, yeah no he's he's legendary I was in uh, uh, Whitehorse a few years ago at a store and they had a little section the CD store and they had uh, uh, Ernest Munias and they say hey, you got no uh, new albums in here no CDs and the guy says quick as we get them uh, quick as we sell them that's and, amazing uh, so Ernest is one of these artists. So yeah, uh, if I wanted you, girl, is one of his favorite songs um, to play live, and which he did last night. Dance floor was packed, and uh, I, it was a blessing to be there because it's it, it's uh, you know it's history within our community. 
So we'll get into this jam, and then we're going to take a quick break. So you're listening to Moment of Truth on 106.5 Element FM in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa, and on the Radio Player Canada app. I'm Element FM's music director, Luca Capone, filling in for David Moses. Back with David McLeod, executive producer of the Indigenous Music Countdown, after this. Welcome back to Moment of Truth on Element FM, 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa, and on the Radio Player Canada app. I'm Luca Capone, Element FM's music director, filling in for David Moses. Our guest today is David McLeod, executive producer of the Indigenous Music Countdown. Before the break, we heard uh, a great, great jam from the road warrior, Ernest Moneas. Such a, oh man, such a good groove on that one. Well, you know you know what's interesting with that too, is like, because when you're a record, like, when you go through records, I was I was a kid at that time, and I was I was flipping through records. So you got the Rolling Stones, you get Steve Miller, you get CCR, and then you flip, and then there's Ernest Muniz, and then you take that record out and you put it on, and and then just that act, and then putting it on and going, that's one of my favorite songs, albums, and then you, and it stands up with the rest of those albums in that bin, like it belongs there, and 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 that in itself, as simple as that sound, is is a is is it is one of the precious points of of uh, having music from our community within uh, within a collection of other artists and 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 they you know they 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 stand up they belong there now switching from one genre to another going from we've been talking a lot about country and folk music um, heading more into the world of hip hop you created a youth program called Resonation that featured a, a, an, an incredible universe of indigenous rap and hip hop artists yeah well that's it was interesting. Because um, you look back at the '90s, there was a you know, and it and it still applies today. There was like I don't know what it was, six fifty six, sixty percent of Canada's First Nations or Indigenous population was under the age of twenty four. So what were people listening to at that time? They were they were listening to hip hop, and and people again, um, you know, within our communities wanted to transcend that to be representative of uh, of themselves, their lives, and speak to our community. So you get groups that formed and one, uh, one group at that period, which I saw at least three times was, um, uh, they're from Hobima, Alberta was, um, war party. And, uh, you know, they were, um, they were a Cree group. And what was interesting about them was, is they, um, they, they really, at that time, they really exploded. They were one of the first groups, like they had a, um, they had a video on much music. They were the first indigenous hip hop act, uh, to be seen on much music, which was, you know, which was really historic. And they were speaking to life in the community as well. So a lot of, a lot of Canadians, it was their first exposure to A, Indigenous artists, Indigenous faces on their TV screen, B, that, that, that there was a scene developing, um, the hip hop community at that time, which of course is still happening today, but it was artists like a group like War Party, and and they they caught the attention. Like I remember Chuck D from Public Enemy, he made a guest appearances on one of their albums, uh, which was incredible. They uh, they wound up sharing the stage with uh, uh, a Wu Tang Clan, clan uh, also uh, Ice T, um, and a bunch of other artists around that period. So um, to, to come from a from Hobima, and then to to get to be getting national attention, to be working with the uh, with these artists. I mean, that's the other thing that that, that some people would say. Uh, I have, you live in a res, and you go, I'm going to be a hip hop artist, and 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 then to get to that stature, um, incredible. 
groundbreaking. Like some people would say, it's not going to happen. Your career's not going to happen. You're not going to. You're not going to be in much music. You're 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 not going to be touring across the country. Uh, you, you know, and 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 they and they they stood up against so much and made a career. And and that's the thing with some of our artists too. When when they get out there, you be, wind up becoming an ambassador for Indigenous people. Not all of our artists want to do that. Some people just want to make music so i've run into artists where they've they've been interviewed and, and people ask them about you know being indigenous and they're like well i just want to be an artist i'm not indigenous so um different artists have different ways of dealing with that and uh but that's something i've i've, I've come across because with some artists um they're in it they're in it not to be ambassadors and and um but but certainly they are so it's uh it's a dichotomy of that being an artist that sometimes people have to be interest be introspective of, and of course there's artists who 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 found their way uh, uh, how to work around those questions when they come up. But War Party, oh my gosh, I'm uh, I'm a big fan of them, and they were also positive that one of their things was crabs in the buckets is building community, and that was something I remember they at all three shows I saw they talked about that. Um, about being positive and working together and uh and 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 finding who you are and colonization they talked about that residential schools they were talking about that and we're talking about the 90s so uh war parties always been uh uh an act i uh, greatly admire and in turn they become pioneers and they open the door for artists like Helen Back, Mob Bounce, Naughty Nose Res Kids Oh yeah, no. Well, well, uh, uh, you know, Carmen uh, Hellenbach was a member of War Party, and uh, yeah, he went on to do other other music, and he's and he's working with youth, uh, sharing his uh, skills with youth at workshops quite often too. So he's he um, you know he recognizes that he's got something to share um, within that period. So um, yeah, it's uh, and I think a lot of artists are looking to youth as well. Wanting to build, um, wanting to build our own. What we're doing is we're actually building our own in- industry, and our, and it takes those artists to uh, to help build up the youth for it to build uh, more, more and more and more. So we have a war party jam loaded up. We also maybe wanted to get into a track from uh, Elisa Pie. Elizabeth Isaac. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's she's uh, she's uh, uh, nominated for a Juno this year. And, uh, and so she's she's at that caliber where she's she's nominated for the Juno. I've seen her seen her shows a few times. She's uh, it's interesting because culture, uh, language, uh, and also when she talks between songs, she shares uh, life with her family, um, which 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 a mainstream audience needs to hear. So um, yeah, and, and her delicate vocals are just. They they get they they get the crowd every time. So she's uh, uh, as a, as an Inuit artist, uh, much respect to her. Yeah, her album uh, from this past year, Ballad of the Run- Runaway Girl, one of my favorites. If you haven't checked it out, folks, definitely jump on it. So let's you know what? Let's dive into these two songs if you guys are down. Yep, let's let's do it. Are we playing the um, which Elizabeth song is? Are we going to listen to? Uh, Wolves don't live by the rules. Yeah, and this is from Will. That's a song written by Willie Thrush, and uh, he's from that song was uh, released in the 1980s. And he's a fellow Indigenous art artist. And what she did with it, uh, it has the nuance of the original song, but um, with uh, 
with more of uh, today's kind of instrumentation. But but the heart of that song, just uh, uh, your listeners are going to hear it. When you hear it, when you hear it, you're going to be moved by it. Welcome back to Moment of Truth on Element FM 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa, and on the Radio Player Canada app. I'm Luca Capone, Element FM's music director, filling in for David Moses. Our guest today is David McLeod, executive producer of the Indigenous Music Countdown. We just heard a couple very amazing jams, and uh, we were talking off air about how artists like Jeremy Dutcher and Cashton were able to do incredibly well by featuring music featuring languages that are, you know, not, uh, not very prevalent anymore that are spoken by hundreds to th- only, only hundreds to thousands of people. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we, 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 we were able to talk about that. And, and I mean, yeah, like Cashton again, like in the nineties, when they put out the, their albums, they, they wound up getting like a, a platinum album as artists. How many bands want to have a platinum album? And they, they received a platinum album, uh, toured across Canada and were huge in France. They were they they were just they were treated uh they were rock stars in 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 in, uh, in France for what they did and and phenomenal and Jerry Jeremy Dutcher um today is carrying on that tradition of of going to uh, of of looking at languages. What's interesting about languages is, is I've had a chance to talk to both of those artists is that like in, there's an inherent rhythm, there's an inherent musical sound within Within uh, within language itself, and uh, when people learn those, learn about those rhythms and uh, that sound, those certain sounds, they they can incorporate that within their music. So if you're sitting at a keyboard, you say a word, you can play the notes to that word, and then and eventually you 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 can have, form a song. Uh, Thompson Highway uh, is well aware of that as well as a Cree speaker. So uh, when we look to our artists in our community, language plays a key role musically and, and you know Jer- jeremy uh, of course is uh, uh as elizabeth is up for a uh, uh he's nominated for a juno and uh, i've had a chance to talk to him uh uh one time at the uh, the art gallery winnipeg art gallery here and he uh you know, he shared that album was about a uh, a five-year experience uh to put together and wound up being based he, he's he's a trained musician uh he, he plays keyboards he he uh, he's an operatic uh, vocalist as well, so he found these recordings. Uh, he was studying, learning about his culture. Uh, his degree, he was working on a degree for uh, Dal- Dalhousie University in Halifax, and uh, so he comes across these recordings, like 110, at least 110 years old recordings. So he's learning the language. But what he said to shared was that what he he heard on those recordings was people telling stories people laughing you can hear people in the background and you can hear the songs so it it transported him back a hundred over a hundred years back in time and he could hear his relatives from his community um speaking the the mouthy language and he's and, and he was able to uh uh connect that way and it was so moving for him that uh he he began to work on music, uh, listen to those songs, transcribe them, and and um, when you see him live, it's really interesting because it builds up, it crescendos, it's huge. He's got this huge voice, and and then and then they go back into those those older recordings, and and everybody in the audience is very moved because they're 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 seeing 
this music is thriving and still alive, and the language is still alive. The the the, the music and and the um, the soul within where it came from is still alive, and it takes artists like Jeremy Dutcher to make that happen. So, um, yeah, in, in, incredibly uh, incredible human being uh, for for the work he's doing. And he's a great drummer as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he's percussion, percussionist. Yeah. No, I, and and he makes it look so easy too. That's the other thing. He's kind of smiling and throwing beats in, and yeah. No, he's he's uh, yeah, he's great. Jeremy Dutcher, you are a boss. Big shout out to Jeremy Dutcher. <laughs> Hashtag. And, and, yeah. Sorry, exactly. Go on. And last year he got that. The he won that um, the Polaris Prize. I should mention that too. Last year, which was great, and he came out wearing. Um, it, it was like tights and uh, a cape, and uh, he he just owned it. And that's that's something he also does too. He's he's very vocal, speaking out uh, about uh, as a two spirited person about uh, about two spirit people and and uh, rethinking um, gender um, because a lot of us, um, you know, he he thinks like a lot. There's, we're we're stuck in Western ways of looking at gender thinking. And um, he he really pushes like the in, uh, in, um, indigenous uh, spaces and understanding. So I got to give him a shout out for that work he does as well. Now I'm going to ask a question that might be a little far out. I don't think it is, but it might have changed, or at least the answer might have changed over time. But yeah. I'm curious: in the realm in the universe of Anisha Karaoke, is Jumpin' Jack Flash still your go-to? <laughs> I don't know where you got that from. That's hilarious because it, it is my it is my go to, and uh, karaoke is uh, yeah you know that's that's my go to, and it's uh, that one and uh, uh, Ricky Iglesias uh, hero. Those oh, are my man. two. I gotta do you gotta do hero with a lot of soul, and you gotta talk at the music, and you gotta speak to the audience. That's what I find with that because in that way they'll they'll pay less attention to how bad you're badly you're singing it. So it's it's interesting, uh, yeah. So karaoke, that's a whole other that's a whole other realm of uh, of uh, cultural influence there. So yeah. But Anisha karaoke is a pretty uh, fantastic event that's happened a few times. Yeah, well, what it was that would happen years ago. I used to uh, be involved with organizing a, like a Nietzsche night where we'd have a. Uh, uh, a lot of indigenous uh, people come out and sing together. And again, it was bringing. There's a sense of community. It's creating a safe place where where we're with where where we can be with one another uh, and relax and be ourselves and and um, have that safe feeling of of community. And that's really what was at the heart of that. And it grew um because of that and and then uh, a couple other people uh, kind of took over that afterwards but i uh i recognize that I, I i and it wasn't even formally organized i just put it out on facebook saying hey initial karaoke's happening and and then people just shared it and showed up <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing i had to talk to the owner and say uh, i put this on facebook uh, there might be you know uh, a lot of a lot of our people coming so we kind of kind of need to use a like a section of the room almost so it was it was it was wonderful yeah now thanks for bringing that up no that problem hilarious. i yeah. had to ask um yeah. i also have to bring up because i learned about this television series indians and aliens and it blew my mind just the concept and the stories behind it and just in the realm of the like the sci-fi kind of media universe just within that world 
Is the film Phantom of the Paradise overrated or underrated in your view? Oh my gosh, I, I was I was in Calgary for 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 the uh, for Phantom of the Paradise when when they did a showing of it, and it's uh, it's a Winnipeg phenomenon. I was it played here for months, and people just kept wanting to go see this film because it uh, it just spoke. It was Paris and Winnipeg that had the most people wanting to see this film, and. Uh, and it's uh yeah so if if you haven't seen the film look it up Paul Williams is in there it's got a stellar soundtrack and it's a lot of fun it's it's uh it's silly uh it 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 didn't know what it was if it was a comedy if it was trying to be a horror film if it was trying to be you know a rock film and i think that's the beauty of it it kind of goes all over the place and has a cult following but uh yeah no it's uh uh yeah that's that's it's and that's those pop phenomena and does that does that and hopefully that'll influence uh influence uh, another act but uh oh it's funny yeah there was um when i was in calgary i was at the national music center malcolm cecil was there and he's if you watch the movie there's this great big uh synthesizer giant synthesizer it's called tonto and uh that, that's an acronym but um and and uh they uh tribe called red were there working with uh malcolm who invented it and and you're going to hear that synthesizer will be prominently featured in their new album and we're talking like this, this computer the synthesizer was built like in i think it was 1968 and and uh, so now it's making sounds on their album and i heard i had the i had the privilege of being in the studio with uh, uh tribe when they were working on some sounds and, and they t- they they inputted like a power song into the synthesizer and you get this fluttering sound uh, like butterfly wings, kind of. If you if you had the microphone to actually record what you, what that would sound like, that's what the Paolo song turned into. And they're going to use those samples in their new album. So I'm I'm just answering my, I'm just answering your question in a long way. I love it. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Phantom of the Phantom of the Paradise has an influence on indigenous music. And so is Tonto. It's is it still at the National Music Center in Calgary? Yeah, and it's operational. They they had uh, they they fixed up they fixed it up, and uh, they they rehauled it. Cecil actually was keeping it in his house, and uh, in Los I think it was Los Angeles at the time, and then they they moved it up to the National Music Center. He there was a bunch of universities, and a lot of people wanted it, but they wanted it to just keep it as a uh, you know uh, put it on display. Where where Cecil said no, this this. Uh, this has to be used. It has to be. It still has to be uh, be making music, and 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 he wound up uh, getting Grammys from that. Stevie Wonder used it in his albums, um, so it uh, so it wound up. Uh, so let's see where it goes with uh, with Tribe. That is amazing. I can't wait to hear that new album. Um, again, you're listening to Moment of Truth on Element FM here with the executive producer of the Indigenous Music Countdown, David McLeod. Um, Coming to the end of the program, yeah. Who would you like to shout out? Who deserves the love out there? Uh, well, we 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 um, we kind of talked about the uh, the Junos. I mean, the nominees, and I, I maybe shout them all out. Uh, um, you know, um, Snotty Nose Res Kids. They just played Winnipeg a few weeks ago. I saw them years ago, and I fell in love with them because I I liked uh, the Beastie Boys sound. And when I saw these guys, I'm like, here's my Nietzsche Beastie Boys. Um, they got attitude. They're fun. They got a message. They own the audience. They have high impact. Um, I was like, wow. These, you know, and, and when they came out as the Junos, I was happy. In fact, I 
I had a tag last year for the uh, uh, Day Live here in Winnipeg, and uh, like a um, um, like a press press tag. Anyways, I I made I I got backstage and met them and talked with them, and I was just uh, that was my one act I wanted to meet. I wanted to meet those guys, so I got to talk to them last time they came through. Uh, shout out to. Um, also Leonard Sumner from here in Winnipeg, his, his album standing in the light, uh, speaks to environment, environmental concerns. Um, it speaks to, um, to, to young people. It speaks to politics and it speaks to just heartache, heart, heartache and, and connecting the family. A lot of great themes. Shout out to him. Alyssa P of course, uh, a beautiful Former, uh, her lyrics, her presence, her voice, um, yeah, just I know she's, uh, I, I, you know, in spite of, I, she does, she does really well. Um, and then of course, um, uh, Northern Cree. These guys what were they nominated for like six Grammys? They haven't won a Grammy. They've been nominated several. Something happens with them. Jeremy Dutcher, of course. So shout out to those guys uh, for for all being nominated. I just feel. Uh, um, we're in such a renaissance period uh, is the word that you quite often hear and it's true when you look at all the, all those acts and where they come from and their history and they're all together uh, representing all all, uh, all our nations across uh, Turtle Island here and you can hear a lot of these artists on Element FM for or within the Indigenous Music Countdown from 10am to 12pm on Saturdays and 11am to 1pm on Sundays David McLeod thank you again so much for chatting with us yeah, and, and props to you guys for all the work you do, uh, getting our music out to the people and mixing it in with different genres. And I think that's uh, that's part of who we are as a people as well. We're 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 really open, and uh, the conductivity is what strength what is what strengthens us. Absolutely. Thanks again. Miigwech. You've been listening to Moment of Truth on 106.5 Element FM in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. I'm Luca Capone, Element FM's music director, filling in today for David Moses. Thanks again to our guest, David McLeod, executive producer of the Indigenous Music Countdown. You can hear today's show via SoundCloud on our website, elementfm.ca. That's E-L-M-N-T-F-M dot C-A. Thank you to our producers, David Moses, Kathy Zabokin, Andrew St. Germain, and Caroline O'Neill. 